In a world controlled by passionless conglomerates, there's a place where artisanal producers bravely break the boundaries and craft wine, beer, and spirits their own way. That place is Tin City, and this is their story. You've tuned in to the Tin City Podcast with Patrick Brooks and George Newmare. Okay, wine, beer, and spirits aficionados alike, welcome back to another episode of the Tin City Podcast, right here from our little drinking town with a farming problem, good old Tin City. I'm Patrick Brooks of Wine Shine and Tin City Distillery, and as always, I'm here with George Numair of Barrel House Brewing Company. And we're here to talk about all things Tin City. And a lot of things that aren't. Today, we've got some awesome guests here with us. We've got the Toft crew in town. So we've got Jacob and Kelly Toft, the dynamic, romantic, married couple of, of Jacob Toft wines. Good to be here. Hi, Patrick. Hi, George. Thanks for having us. Good to have you, neighbors. We're stoked about it. So when we told Jacob and Kelly that we we're going to do this podcast, Jacob was like, what's a podcast? I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> I kind of hide at the beach most of the days. Yeah, and, and who can blame you, man? So, and now you're going to be in your very own podcast. How exciting is that? I'm not sure what I'm excited about, but I'm excited about drinking wine and libations with you guys. Yeah, I'd be excited about being at the beach, too. So there's no question about it. But we're, we're here at the beautiful Jacob Toft Winery right here in Tin City. Uh, you know, and, and this is awesome. We're in the middle of the barrel room right now, uh, which is great because it's getting toasty outside, man. It's hot out there. Classic Pastor Robles weather. It's cooking us. And it is beautiful in here. The Like, the temperature's righteous. And I don't know if this is a, uh, a COVID thing, but you guys have tasting set up in here. A life of luxury right now. We're sitting on these beautiful couches we've yeah. been socially distanced since the beginning it actually we didn't have to change any layouts at all when we um had to you know kind of pivot with everything that happened a couple of years ago um it's really fun to to redesign the barrel room and be able to host a bunch of people is it tough when you're gonna move shit around you're just like well i'm gonna move the couch first so y- yeah um about every other week we gotta gut this place we gotta move all the couches out onto the sidewalks and uh bring all the barrels out and then put them all the way back in yeah, <laughs> it seems to be working, though. I mean, you've got, like, a good ambiance because people are drinking wine. They're surrounded by barrels of wine. And that makes it for, like, just kind of a natural, beautiful thing to be in, right? Like, the, the warmth of the wood and everything. Like, that's, that's something that wineries and breweries all have, distilleries. Plus, all these outrageous uh, vintage couches are awesome. You guys already had all this? Uh, Kelly's a badass, and uh, she hunts them down, and uh, I got to get go shopping. Here. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's Sunday, and you guys have a, a specific saying about drinking on Sundays that I really love. Can you can you tell all the listeners? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> Isn't uh, Sunday for drinking wine and not tasting wine? Oh, no, that was just you coming in with the right party <laughs> on the right day at the right time. So, yeah, no. <laughs> That doesn't happen very often, but when good karma comes together, yeah. we just flow with that karma. I feel like that's exactly what happens here, though, because, you know, I always see guests here happy, right? Like, it's like it's like an Olive Garden thing. When they're here, they're just like family or something. <laughs> so, so, and you get unlimited breadsticks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, everybody's always, always just choose to be here. The happy campers, the, the wine's good, the ambiance is good, the company's amazing, right? And I think that's something that you guys really bring to the table is just... Good people with, you know, good fruit and 
Well, that's a recipe for success. Yeah, the longer I live, the more I realize what's really special in this life and what it all kind of boils down to is people. Yeah. And, you know, things are great. Um, love to, um, you know, experience good things, but there's nothing like good people around a table enjoying whatever it might be. Just a little bit of wine, a cold beer, um, a cocktail from Tin City Cider, uh, whatever. Uh, You're right. You twisted my arm, Jacob. Let's start it off like that. I okay, let's, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. I'm ready. All right, everybody ready to go? We're going to rock and roll. Oh, I gotta love that noise! Uh, it's either the pop of a wine bottle or the crack of a can. And cans have made uh, you know huge comebacks. Everybody was putting things in um, crown caps for I don't know, probably the last ten years, and everybody's come back to uh, and and you would know George more than anybody. Um, uh, I guess it's a little bit fresher if you put it in a can uh, opposed to in a bottle with a crown cap. Yeah, yeah, it's um, really it's. It's the perfect enclosure. No light can penetrate. Yeah. No oxygen. No, not even any micro oxygenation can can seep in. Um, there were some hurdles on the technology side that have come a long way in the past decade, as far as like lower dissolved oxygen upon canning, that have really made it made it all a game changer. And now that everything needs to be recycled, cans are a, a much better choice than um, bottles per se. And and I guess as time goes on, I think we'll see everything. Yeah, and, and you know, for wine, too, um, when I was younger, uh, Australia and New Zealand was putting this huge push on finishing wines and screw caps. And um, one of the reasons I don't do screw caps anymore is because I don't want to talk about it anymore, but I'll talk about it one last time. <laughs> oh, and this is it. <laughs> And so, yeah, I started my first vintage back in 2000 and uh, put the 2000s, the 01s, in super expensive cork and, uh, you know, was ready to uh, rock and roll. And I just kept trying these wines and screw caps that were just great every single time. Mm -hmm. And so my 02 vintage, my 03 vintage, my 04 and 05 vintage, I put them all under screw cap. So I kind of think about it as the same way as the can is that... um, you know, you make this killer bottle of wine and you put it in and um, you can buy the best, most expensive cork that, you know, is available, which I do. I spend over a dollar uh, yeah. uh, per cork um, to put them in. Um, but, yeah, that experiment from 02 to 05, um, they're probably the best aged wines that we've ever made. Um, Get out. Wow. They um, keep them fresh and every bottle's good every time. And at that time, you would have been a a rebel man like like like, like yeah i was i was at that point like that yeah luckily i was so small that it you know it wasn't something um that we all talked about but it was something that i needed to experiment in the beginning with yeah um and then about halfway through trying to sell those wines all i ended up talking about was screw caps and so with the <laughs> uh, uh 2006 vintage uh we went back to corks um but it's um, romantic right i mean there's something kind of like i ro- I agree. Uh, I agree. About the cork, 100%. But, but I really think that a lot of people knock the screw caps as like, oh, this is a cheap product. Yep. And that is false. Absolutely. Like yep. there's, and now a lot of these screw caps too, they can allow for varying levels of micro oxidation. Exactly. Right? And, and so really dial a wine in for what you're looking yep. for. Like, do you yep. want to lay this thing down for yep. six, 10 years or something? Yep. You, there's a screw 
cap for that. Yeah, exactly. So um, they, they, they are they're they're cool, man. But that, I didn't realize that all of those vintages. Because uh, I've liked your wine for a long time. I didn't realize that those were all screw caps. Yep. So I don't remember that. Well, I worked for Matt Garretson. Um, I'm definitely uh, aging myself here. Uh, Matt Garretson uh, was the first one in Paso to uh, put all of his wines under screw caps. And I was working for him at the time. It was easy. Yeah. Every time the bottle was open, it was good. And it's good because you don't have to worry. Like, they say like uh, about 10%-ish Three of corks. 3 to 10% depending on how much you spend on a, a cork itself. Right. You buy some good stuff. The, 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 the dogs are sniffing for TCA, and they have like people s- sorting and all that. Right? Like, you can get pretty good corks. But Thank God for Portugal. Thank God, right? <laughs> but, no, but, but no matter what, there's going to be corks that are corked. Yes. But, yeah, so like. And that's and that's no good. So gets rid of that possibility right then and there. Yep. Yeah. So I like the idea of everybody putting their beers back in cans, um, cocktails in cans. I just think it's the way to go. Um, you know, maybe in another twenty years of winemaking, maybe in this country we'll finally be uh you know, um, thinking that screw cap is the best. You know, right before uh right before the pandemic, fr- from what I've heard, there was a bottle shortage in Germany. And uh, they couldn't find enough glass, right? So the Germans, who were totally against cans, went to can production, and really? the, and the, yeah, and, and they so they were like, "Oh, we don't use cans," but that's what all they could get. So they, okay, fine, we'll try these cans, and went, "Holy smokes, this keeps the beer so fresh. This is wonderful." And then um, the pandemic hits, and now there's a aluminum shortage too. Shortage everywhere. And, uh, that was real tough for everybody, but uh, but apparently Germany was kind of like. Uh, People were going to cans in general, but the Germans were also like, let's try these beers in cans, and it succeeded. They, they really enjoyed it because, yeah, it's it makes for a good product. So, yeah, cans, screw tops, they get a bad name, but they're great. As long as you got good wine going into the can or the bottle, that's all that matters. That's what it's all about, right? And that's what we're dealing with right here, right in front of us right now. Uh, this is not a screw top, uh, but this is... Damn good juice. Can you guys talk to us a little bit about what we're drinking here? Yeah, so we are tasting some of Paso Robles' finest Syrahs. We're drinking 2018 Sarah's Cuvée. Um, we name all of our wines after family members. Um, Sarah is the middle of Jacob's three sisters. Um, her label's got this really cute little leatherback sea turtle painting that was done by our brother-in-law on the front of it. Because all the art is amazing well, along with the wine, right? That, yeah, that's a yeah. huge component of what you guys are doing here. Yeah, my, yeah. my brother-in-law, um, he is um, just an amazing person all around, and he's a doctor. Um, by day and then he paints by night and um, he's probably made we make 20 22 different wines and he's probably painted about uh, about half of the labels and um, yeah just uh, somebody that's selfless that's awesome. Yeah. So if, if, if he's ever on a plane, somebody's like, is there a painter in the house? You know, like, is there? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's good to yes, go. yes, definitely. Uh, <laughs> he can save a life. <laughs> Anthony Graves can save a life. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he can paint a damn good wine label, too. So that, yes, that's, he can. I don't think I've met as many family members from any one winery than you guys. Like, you guys, family's a big deal for you. You I have mean, to help make the wines to get a wine named after you. Ah, so all touche. of our siblings, all of our parents, everybody helps us hand sort the clusters, hand sort the berries. We stomp on the feet on the fruit with our bare feet. They all put their time and effort in, and and we wouldn't be here without them. Absolutely, it's our family's everything. So there's no like black sheep of the family, little you know, like Reginald, you dick. You never help press the fruit. 
I'm very lucky. I grew up with three amazing uh, sisters, and um, all my wines are named after amazing women in my life. Yeah. That's great. That's beautiful. Yeah. What about Bruno? Do we not talk about Bruno? My grandpa? I just mentioned that because it's a, <laughs> it's a hit kid song. Oh, it's a hit kid song? Okay. We don't talk uh, about Bruno. My grandpa is Bruno. Grandpa Bruno. <laughs> that's, my dad's, that's my dad's dad. Grandpa Bruno. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we know all about Bruno and... You know, he jumped out uh, in World War One um, out of a airplane with his accordion, um, right, right, right into France. Wow! And then eventually, uh, you know, got into Germany. Um, and so, yes, no, we have a beloved. Uh, we do uh, talk Grandpa about Bruno. Bruno. And his That's family. amazing. Um, in our family, um, I'm not so good with war. It might have been World War One. It might have been World War Two. I can't keep that. They're all n- never straight. good. Patrick, let us it, know which one was it. it, it it, 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 was, it was probably World War II, right? World War II. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so my dad, uh, born in 50, um, and then Grandpa was born, you know, in the 20s. Yeah, well, uh, World War II, for sure. Okay, so. so World War II, he jumped out of a plane uh, with his favorite uh, accordion. Uh, accordion. Playing war and, ballads um, in the air, yeah. And he made it. Not only did he, uh, you know, keep everybody happy while he was there, <laughs> uh, he came back and uh, made us happier. Wow, Bruno. I'm glad you brought up Bruno. To Bruno. To Bruno. To Bruno. Hey, cheers to Bruno, Bruno y'all. That's my kind of war hero right there. I like it. Was he a, a wine drinker? Did he get that bug when he was in France? Uh, he was definitely a drinker, um, but definitely not a wine drinker. Um, Grandpa Bruno liked a good cocktail, and damn, he made a good one. Yeah. And um, I was lucky enough, uh, my stepfather who raised me since I was three years old, 100% Italian, um, kind of brought me into the Italian culture. Uh, when I was a small kid, I didn't know any difference. I just, I thought I was Italian, you know, growing up. And um, we lost him last year. And uh, there's nobody uh, that I miss more in, uh, in this life than my dad. And, um, you know, thank God for Grandpa Bruno for uh, making my dad. There you go. And thank God for your dad for making you. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I know family support you. It's important to a lot of people. We, having a good family is something that can be rare, and, yeah. and especially in depth of lineage, too. Yeah. So that's something real special. And obviously, they pass on some kind of splendid gene to you, man, because not only are you guys great winemakers, but you're just great people, too. Well, they, taught, to me, they, they taught me how to cook, and I... They taught you how to clean. Well, Yes. Definitely. <laughs> but no, they taught me how to cook first. Yeah. And um, that's really what I take towards my winemaking is um, I kind of approach it like a good meal. Um, you need good ingredients. Um, you need to execute things at the right time. Um, sure. And at the end, if you've got to blend, you know, something together uh, to make it better, um, that's what makes us us. There you go. It starts with mise en place, right? And, yeah. and, and it, it ends with, like, your your palate, being able to say, like, like ah, we could add more depth if we go yeah. this direction yeah. as well. So, yeah. And do, do you find you do that a lot from vintage to vintage from in these different wines? Like, do you mix it up all the time? I mean, or, or like, are they pretty, you know, similar blends from year to year? 
there's a common theme that runs through each of our wines from vintage to vintage. Um, for instance, the Sarah's Cuvée that we're, we're sipping on right now is always our best Syrah lots blended together. Okay. Um, the wine that we're about to taste, the Tessa's Cuvée, that's always our Bordeaux Rhone style blend. Um, something like a Maggie's Cuvée that we produce is going to be a Petite Syrah dominant blend. Um, but those components definitely shift every vintage. The percentages are never the same. That's always the constant, right? Is that mm -hmm. it's, it's always going to be a little bit different from vintage. Um, we, we want to express what happened in that growing season, right? Right. We don't want to follow a recipe. But what makes, uh, what flavors make a Syrah Syrah or make a, a Bordeaux blend, a, a Bordeaux blend. Absolutely. What am I so looking let's, for? So let's talk about Syrah, about what we're tasting right now. Um, you're mm. going to look for all these black fruits, boysenberries, blackberries, blueberries, those sorts of things. You're going to look for some really fun spice notes, clove, allspice, nutmeg, cardamom. Mm. Um, There's almost an aroma of like after I bite into a chocolate-covered strawberry yeah. and just like and just the smell of it after you bite in through it, it's, it's like that. It's so it ripe and perfect, right? Yeah. 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 So we, we can accomplish bottling, encapsulating all these different flavors by working with different properties. Um, so this, this 2018 Sarah's Cuvée is broken down in thirds. A third of it is from Caliza Vineyard, one third is from G2 Vineyard, and the last portion is from Shadow Canyon Vineyard. But all Syrah. 100% Syrah, um, but from these different locations. And as we move down those properties from Kalisa to G2 and then to Shadow Canyon, we're getting closer to the ocean. Sure. And the closer to the ocean you are, obviously, the colder you're going to be. And then you develop these more savory, spicy notes. Okay. But as you move further inland with that Kalisa vineyard in particular, that's where your power comes from, where your fruit comes from. So to be able to play with all these different blocks and even with all these different clones of Syrah that we're blending together sure. gives you this, this beautiful expression of what Syrah really truly is capable of here in Paso Robles. Oh, Kelly, that's that was a great explanation of what you guys are doing. Because I don't know how many times you see a winery break down like, this is 100% Syrah from all these different locations, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, I don't know. You guys are the only ones that, yeah. that, I, that I know of. And I think that's real special. They might say, oh, yeah, we got some Syrah from here and a little bit of this from there. We, we peppered it in. But, like, yeah. like this is great because you're saying, like, when you blend that, you know, you're saying, oh, I, I need to have that much more of this, like, this, this is energy, my palette. power that's coming from, you know, yeah. this Kaliza. Yeah. Like, I need, I need yeah. like, we need to up that a little bit while we're blending. I, right? I think this wine um, really um, is an education in um, what we do is put our fingerprint on the wine through the blending process. We're only as good as the raw fruit that we get. So we basically, what's most important to us is site selection. Choosing sure. a site that will devigorate the vine. A big vine with lots of fruit is poor quality. Yeah. And so for us, we're looking for whether it's a very steep hillside in the West Paso or maybe up in Santa Lucia Highlands where there's a, a lot of sand. Mm -hmm. um, we They bring together a perfect formula for a small vine, small little clusters, small little berries, which make for me, the best wine. And so for this wine, uh, this is a great, uh, um, you know, um, reflection of uh, what's special about Paso. Um, yeah. West Side Paso Syrah, it's big, 
Oh. It's it's hot first. It's, it's hot. hot. So you're going to get big blackberry, black cherry. And you're going to get ripe. Yeah. Which, which uh, is a beautiful uh, backbone to any wine. Um, and then we've got G2 Vineyard, which is a little bit closer to the ocean where we live in Cayucas. Yep. And um, it's a little more elegant. It's a little more violets um, instead of that big uh, black fruit. And then when you get high up on York Mountain, you get that savory, spicy characteristic that we're looking for in all of our wines. Um, so half of our wines are cuvées, meaning that they're blends, sure. blend of different vineyards, blend of, blend of different varieties. Um, and then we do vineyard designates, meaning 100% Pinot or 100% Syrah or 100% Chardonnay from a particular place, right? And um, so as you move towards the ocean, um, the Syrah up on York Mountain is very different. It's more red fruit raspberry, cranberry, and much more spicy, savory notes. So you take that big black fruit from uh, uh, Kaliza, yep. uh, bring that kind of intermediate, beautiful, balanced violet from G2, and then we blend it with Shadow Canyon uh, uh, up on York Mountain, getting closer to the ocean, brings beautiful red fruit, and then all the spice that you're looking through. Oh. So uh, it's not easy to make a wine like this, um, but we're lucky enough to be connected to families that care about the properties and they are farming it accordingly oh those are for sure all like heavy heavy lifters yeah. in yeah. the the wine industry yeah. like, the, like if it's a good vineyard we played with it yeah booker caliza laventour james berry i mean if, if it's out there we've been lucky enough to play with it over the last 20 22 well i guess this year's 23 years babe it's 23 years then Wow. I'd card the shit out of you guys. Shit. You don't look like you should <laughs> You don't look like, like you've been doing this for 23 thank, years. Thank God I still got a baby face, I guess. <laughs> and a full head of hair, you son of a bitch. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's a crazy man. It's actually short right now. It's not as crazy it does get during harvest. You know, most people grow a big beard during harvest. Just, I just I just grow the mane. But he can grow a mean harvest beard. It rivals the beard of the fizzle, for sure. Well, no one's quite the fizzle, but yes. <laughs> so, so, so you brought the fizzle for those that don't know yes the, the fizzle is an entity in for sure no <laughs> it's no 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 ifs ands or buts about it so fizzle and i we met freshman year of college um in san luis obispo yep and um he was a great athlete and um i was trying to be a great athlete and um yeah he had a full ride scholarship to cuesta pitching and um for me my thing was basketball, but I wasn't quite good enough in basketball. But everybody wanted to give me a track scholarship. So that's what, uh, you know, brought me down to this area is I thought I was going to run the 400 for the rest of my career, you know, four or five years. Um, but then I took a viticulture class and I was hooked. That was it, Been huh? making wine ever since. Amazing. Yeah. But as far as Fizzle goes, uh, he's documented. He was a film major. Um, finally got his uh, degree down in Los Angeles, Cal State uh, Los Angeles. And um, he's been taking pictures and films of this 23-year journey. And if you come you know, to the winery, you'll see some amazing shots that he's done um, over the years. And you'll meet him, too. And, oh, and, and when you meet him, you meet him. It's called the Fizzle Experience. <laughs> the Fizzle Experience, so... <laughs> Quite an experience. Hey, I, I basically been blood brothers for what twenty seven years, Fizzle. Uh, yeah, it would be uh, twenty seven this October. 
Yep, 27 who's this counting, October. Huh, <laughs> yeah. I love it. And, you know, he's a big part of the experience here at Jacob Toft Wines. And so is Kelly Toft. She's here crushing it all the time. And, Jacob, you guys really are just one of the most amazing winemaking teams that you see in this whole area. The experience is one of a kind, and we're going to talk about more of that experience. And we're definitely going to talk about this next wine when we come back here in just a second on the Tin City Podcast. So pop yourself a uh, vodka lemonade, a barrel house beer, or some Jacob Toft wine, and you sit tight. We'll be right back. Tin City, 1849. Welcome in. What'll it be, stranger? I'll take a shot and a beer. We got us quite a selection. I'll take a Tin City whiskey and a Barrel House IPA. Oh no, it's the Wild Ale Kid! Empty those pockets and reach for the sky. You saved us, mister. Drinks are on the house. Nothing gets in the way. My Barrel House IPA. And this Tin City whiskey sure numbs the pain of smoking them misguided outlaws. I don't drink often, but when I do, I drink in Tin City. Enjoy Tin City responsibly. Please don't bear firearms in Tin City. Tin City, good times since 1849-ish. You're listening to the Tin City Podcast with George Newman and Patrick Brooks. And we are back with Jacob and Kelly Toft on the Tin City Podcast because... I'm thirsty. <laughs> I got a craving for this good juice. I've got it's something a- for you, buddy. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. We came What's to the right next? place, George. You know that. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we're, we're we're back uh, with the Tin City Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to talk about our next wine here at Jacob Toft Wine, uh, but also we want to hear a little bit more about the story of why this wine is in front of us and in our glass. So, what are we drinking here? We are drinking 2019 Tessa's Cuvée. Another sister. The oldest of Jacob's three sisters is Tessa. Um, This is a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, and Petit Verdot. Mm. Um, The Cab and the Petit Verdot come from Denner. Uh, The Syrah comes from Caliza. This is unreal. (laughs) You've been making wine for 20, almost 23 years, right? At this point. And... um, you were sort of a gypsy in the beginning, yeah? Yep. You made your wines at yep. Dover Dan's, at Gerritsen, and then eventually you landed at Denner Vineyards, yeah? Yes, when I went to work for uh, Stefan at La Ventura, 
Um, I finished uh, Cal Poly in 2005, broke into Laventure, climbed a fence. <laughs> oh, you literally broke into Laventure. Yeah, yeah. So okay, not like broke into the industry. Like I guess I should it. start in the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. Because uh, like, did you break into you know, the industry? Okay, amazing okay. places Through to a break. Fence. So this is how it worked. This is how it worked. Okay, so um, I was the first employee, or one of the first employees, at Via Creek, which is now an amazing winery. Um, but before and, but that, it was an amazing restaurant. It was an oh amazing restaurant. It started in about 97, 98. And, um, Chris and Joanne Cherry know how to make some good wine and make some good food. Pretty sure. much anything yeah. they touch turns to gold. Yeah. So they have that, you know, Midas touch, whatever you want to call it. And, um, I'm working for them. And on Friday nights, Chris has this great idea of, hey, I'm going to brown bag one of our wines on our wine list, and you're going to try it and tell me what you think it is, uh, what it might sell for, you know, uh, just good facts that a, a, a good server would know. And what a great guy to do research and development with. Totally. And um, we did a lot of it. Um, and then one night... There was this bottle of wine, and um, it got poured in my glass, and um, I'm drinking it, I'm smelling it, I'm drinking it, I'm going, well, we know this ain't from Paso. And uh, <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, when they took the uh, brown bag off, it was the uh, 2000 Estate Cuvée oh, from La Venture. Uh, and wow. um, I tasted it uh, again because I wanted to make sure, you know, that was exactly what came out of the bottle. I didn't trust anybody. Did it have more <laughs> of an old world kind of flavor to it? <sighs> to be it? honest, it wasn't. I know a lot of people want to say French, and it was old world. It was the complete opposite. It was so clean, so direct, such amazing blue, black, and red fruit all in one wine. Um, it wasn't dusty. It wasn't dank. It was the cleanest wine that probably I've ever had. Yeah. And um, when he pulled it out, you know, uh, Chris Cherry pulled it out and showed us what it was. I just had this sense that I got to go see where this comes from. And so I uh, I followed a, a dirt road and yeah. got to a gate and didn't know the code. So I jumped <laughs> over the gate and uh, I basically saw the beginning of Laventure, the first plantings. And it was crazy because there was no soil. It was all white rock. So it was all these sea creatures that had died, you know, millions yeah, of years super ago. calcareous. And he was, yeah, uh, calcareous and silicious shale. And um, I'm walking through the vineyard and I'm going, Jesus, all these vines are so close to the rocks. They're not high up like most modern viticulture in California. And I'm just falling in love by the minute. Minute. By minute, I'm falling in love. Were you met with a shotgun? Yes, while they're calling uh, To be honest, I was lucky enough to get out of there that night with nobody knowing that I came and went. Um, so, Stefan, big surprise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, came in, came out, uh, you know, um, I, I needed to make a plan. But and that was so, one of those aha moments in your life, right? Oh, that was no ifs, ands, or buts about yeah. it because I'm, uh, I believe it all happens in the vineyard. There's no magic that we can do within the winery to improve quality. We're only as good as the raw product that we get. Now, don't get me wrong. We put our fingerprint on the wines through our blending process. Well, means- but that raw fruit is the base. You can make it worse. 
um, hopefully we make it better through the blending process that we do. And so um, I went... (laughs) I went back about a couple months later, and I gave Stefan a bottle of my Cabernet. It was 2001 Cougar Ridge Cabernet, and um, everybody was in France. He said, hey, I'm the only one left at the house, and I'm doing my own laundry up here on the top of the hill. My wife's not here, da-da-da-da-da. Maybe I taste your wine. Maybe I don't. I don't know. See you soon. <laughs> okay. And uh, so I figure, you know, hey, I did everything I could, right? You know, I went Put up there. Put yourself out there, yeah. And uh, I let him try wine, and, um, you know, a couple months went by. That was so. really ballsy, man. I mean, just breaking in there in the first place was ballsy. Yeah. But then coming back yeah. and saying, like, I think Stefan would approve because, awesome. you know, he was one of those guys that took chances. Yeah. And um, I was somebody that, um, you know, normally wouldn't have done something like that. But because I was so passionate about that wine that I had tried in Via Creek, um, that I needed to know, how could you make wine like this in Paso Robles? Yeah. And so I go up there, I give him a bottle of wine, and shit, I don't hear from him for a month, two months, three months. And I remember him saying up on the hill, you know, if it's no good, I'm going to tell you. So at least tell me I made a shit, dude. no problem. (laughs) What do I need to do? What do I need to do? You know, and then about four or five months later, I got a phone call about, I don't know, 1, 2 (laughs) a.m. It's Stefan. (laughs) Stefan says, hey, I try it. It's good. Oh, Oh, man, that's That's got to feel good. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, uh, Blood's flowing, you know, all that kind of fun (laughs) stuff. That's great. And um, I was intent on working for this guy. And so once I finally finished my viticulture degree at Cal Poly in 05, I I begged to, uh, you know... um, to get a job there. Yeah. And uh, he said, you're very lucky because Guillaume Fabry of now <laughs> close Alain yep. has to go back to France and uh, I need somebody. Perfect timing. Perfect. That's good. And at that time, there was only three of us. So there was Stefan, Dave, the amazing, and me. And we're wow. working until 2, 3 in the morning. I mean, it's not the kind of team that they have now. Now they got 20, 20 people. So they got a team team now. Like, and, and they're just killing it, right? They're just... They're just yeah taking names and um (laughs) so i so i start working uh the 2005 harvest and i know that i have to find another job after this is done because guillaume's coming back sure and uh stefan reminds me and and, and stefan you know he 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 reminds me um do a good job almost every day you're doing a great job but guillaume's coming home soon yeah right and i'm like yeah no problem you know i'm just happy to be here right uh this is lovely at the end of harvest uh stefan came up to me and he said you know what I find a job for you. That's got to feel good, too. I stayed six years. Damn, man. Almost six years. And so for the um, I got to do a little bit of everything. I got to work in the vineyard. I got to work in the winery. I got to do a tasting room, wine club, you know, oh. go out and do tastings out in the ether, you know. With Stefano Sale, which is that's as good as it gets, man. I mean, that, that's amazing. Yeah, yes. that's generations of, you know, information and 
Yeah. That's that's real knowledge. Right? Guy, yeah. 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 What, and what a, and a guy who took chances just like me. You know, he had a cushy, uh, a cushy, cushy, uh, great winery and vineyard in uh, in Bordeaux on the right bank of Bordeaux, and he could have just stayed there. He was the hotshot consultant, but he wanted more. Yeah, and you know, I think that's where we hit it off is we both wanted more. You know, that's kind of when we spoke with uh, Guillaume and Arnaud on uh, the Benham podcast, uh, because even to this day, I mean, like, they're your next door neighbors right here in Tin City. They're right down the street, right? Yep. Um, that's kind of what they mentioned was that, like, he just was like, ah, I see, like, I can only go so far if he's, if he's stuck there. Like, but here, the possibilities were endless. And uh, not only did I think they really, like, like, a guy like Stefan really thrive in his own brand, but he changed the wine culture no in California. He will say it um, very poignantly. He will say everyone needs to reduce yields. Right. So the average in Paso was, you know, I mean, oh, even a good producer was so three good. to five tons per acre. Sorry, I'm having an orgasm over here drinking your wine. I'm, I apologize. And there's nothing wrong with okay. that. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. So good. I, try, I try to keep it away from the microphone, but oh my God. <laughs> Enjoy yeah, my all that, all that, All that yummy shit. Yeah, keep and uh, yeah, so um, you know, Stefan was definitely brave enough to do things that uh, people you know hadn't done in Paso, and um, now, if I was going to vote for the best wine I've ever had in Paso, even putting my own wines in there, Stefan Laventure, best wines in Paso, hands it's amazing down. stuff every hands, hands, single year, hands down. I, yeah. I think everybody needs to realize, like in um, to, to really take this in context if you're a vineyard manager sometimes your bonus will be paid on yields yes and to try to talk an industry into reducing yields to what makes sense for the environment or for the weather that year um that was something that um Guillaume and Arnaud talked a lot about is yeah, like you can sure. only get so much out of a vineyard based on the the weather you're experiencing that year to get these vineyard managers to go along with that, you know, uh, it's tough. And you can't make Paso one of the greatest grape-growing regions in California without really taking that in stride, you know, taking that that loss in stride to make better quality and everybody changing their idea that, that the culture was was based on, you know, these, these people coming through and, and saying this is what we need to do to make this the, the greatest region we can. It, it almost, it, if you aren't a winemaker, it seems counterintuitive, right? Or, or a farmer, actually. Sorry, not a wine. Forget it. Farmer. It seems counterintuitive to be like, I got to thin this crop yeah. so much. I'm yeah. getting this little itty-bitty bit out of it, right? But, like, yeah. that's what that's what the best guys Cause, do. Because if yeah. you cut 30% of the fruit, you're not going to get paid 30 more percent per pound. No. I would like to say that um, Short term at least. it's not about cutting crop load. It's finding a place where we can devigorate the vine, make a small vine with small clusters and small berries naturally. Gotcha. So it's wow. not about dropping fruit, right? Stefan always said, you can go to the east side of Paso, you can go from eight tons to four tons, doesn't mean it's going to be Laventor, right? Sure. So what you're looking for uh, is you're I, I looking like for these hillsides that uh, don't have much organic matter um, and uh, lots of rock and probably minimal water, and uh, it will make a small plant 
small clusters, small berries, which make the best wines. Vibrancy. Hands down. Well, again, it comes back to the concept of what you said earlier about site selection. Yeah, site you selection. choose the right site where the plant will maintain its own crop load to create these incredible wines. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And coming full circle on this wine right here, um, obviously, Caliza uh, is the Syrah. Um, it gives the big uh, fruity component to it. Um, but I made my wines at Denner. For 10 years. Good stuff. And uh, we're facility. lucky enough to still get fruit. Uh, Cabernet, Petit Verdot, Morved, Little Grenache. It's actually the Garnacha clone, but anyways. Okay. A little Grenache uh, from Denner, Spanish clone. Okay. But that's how Kelly and I came together was That's at how Denner. I broke into this industry. Because you were working at Denner? Denner was my first tasting room job when I was 22 years old. Oh, you saw this... this snazzy looking dashing winemaker over there two weeks after i started we met in the stairwell between the tasting room and the lab in december of 2010 oh tell us this is romance oh I like it, it is yes 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 so i i worked at a coffee shop in high school and in college when i went to cal poly and there i developed a palette I went through the coffee master program. I learned about how cool. coffee was, how coffee trays were processed, the the growing processes, the different regions. A lot of parallels um, between you know wine and coffee, coffee right? and Huge. food pairings, yeah. how farmers were treated equitably. All of these things. I was eighteen years old learning this stuff. When I turned twenty one. My friends and I would go wine tasting every weekend, and it quickly became a passion of mine. And uh, a family friend of mine at the time was the wine club manager at Denner. Mm. He got me an interview. I got myself a job, and I met Jake two weeks later. I was really young, and I was kind of dumb, and I pursued him a little aggressively, so it took about a year to fix that <laughs> shit. <laughs> But he came around. <laughs> he came around. Can't, you can't blame yourself. Look at this guy. This sculpted to the exact proportions of Michelangelo's David right so here. So you're seeing what I'm seeing, Patrick. Thank you. Yes, we're all seeing what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I fixed it after a year, and um, we've been together now for 10 years. Oh, Married man. for six. Um so, yes, Denner was my first tasting room job. I was there for about a year and a half. Uh, and then I was, um, oh, what's the word? Headhunted? No. Um, I moved on to Lene Colodo. Also they, not too shabby. They, yeah, they yeah. called me to see if Ooh, I wanted to they work for them. <laughs> they took you from Denner, huh? They, well, because they, they sold all the wine at Denner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's none left. That's, that's probably the best person to hire, right? The yeah. one that sold all the wine. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to scalp you from this guy. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and now you've got the A team right here at Jacob Toft. Yeah, we exactly. do. We do. Oh, wow. We've well, got a great team right now. I, I love the community right here because, like, you know, uh, earlier you guys were mentioning, uh, like, Kaliza, that's Carl Bowker. Like, he's going to be on one of the shows coming up because he is a winemaker in Tin City as yes. well. And uh, who used to share a facility, I know, with you guys. Like, yep. But, um, I mean, the guy's amazing. Carl's not just, like, salt of the earth, but, like, that guy can grow some grapes. I think and I think the bottom line with Carl is, is he makes probably the best decisions in the vineyard to make some of the best Syrah on the whole Central Coast. So he's played, playing some of the best Syrah in California. We played with it all <laughs> it's over the years, 20, yeah. 22, 
23 years now. And uh, his Syrah is incredible. He puts all his love and his hard time into it, and it shows. And as the vines get older, he gets younger for some reason. He's got this yes, thing going on. He, he does. He does. <laughs> more, that's for sure. More dashing. Uh, He's but, like what, Pharrell? <laughs> Yeah, right? you know, he's, he's very Pharrellish. Like, I was thinking like Benjamin Button. Uh, okay. like, so like, he's, <laughs> he's got the younger, Benjamin younger, Button younger. disease, of course. He's dashing, man. He's another one of our, our fantastic local winemakers. So, you know, I just love the community that we have here in Tin City. Like wine, beer, if it's spirits, if it's ice cream, the yeah. Granty, we've got it all. So uh, we're going to talk about that more here in just a moment. We come back on the Tin City podcast. We're going to drink a little bit more wine, do a little bit more research and development. And we invite, no, dare I say, we employ you to do it with us our dear listeners if you're over 21 cheers tin city is an evolving industrial makers market nestled amongst the oaks where friends adventurers and aficionados come together to partake in craft wine beer and spirits served up by paso's most passionate artisans park anywhere and just start walking soon you'll find that amongst this eclectic mix down by the tracks there's one thing these makers all have in common this community of wildly independent artisans love what they do and they are part of tin city to pour that love into everything they make with the sole purpose of sharing it all you need to do is show up and enjoy it Welcome back to the Tin City Podcast. It's time to get boozy with Patrick Brooks and George Numair. And we're back with the Tin City Podcast. I have some wine in my hand that I want to, I'd bathe in this. I mean, I would shower in this every day of my life. This is amazing. Talk about good fruit makes good wine. Good soul. Good um, soul. Actually, Jacob, what is the motto of our winery? We buy the best, most expensive shit available. We bring it in, and we don't fuck it up. Thank you. Perfect. You know, truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was on every one of your labels on the, on the backside. What we really should is have little pictures of our uh, growers uh, from every vineyard on the back of the bottle. I think that's the next step, right? Oh, that would be cute, baby. Yeah, little, little, nice little, little caricatures. Uh, pictures of mm-hmm. um, these amazing people who take chances, and um, they don't take no for an answer. And, and that's what it takes, right? Because, like, all, all the fruit here is amazing. All the, uh, the, the wine you guys make from this fruit, this is unbelievable. Like, you know, but it is the heart and soul of our industry. Is these people who take these chances and develop this land and grow some of the greatest grapes that we we can possibly produce, and they they produce the proper amount of fruit that that makes the best wine possible. Not a new concept. This is something that human beings have been doing for a long, long time, right? You know, we so. we live in the wild west, right, where we we do grow the best things that we possibly can, and we just have a lot of fun playing with whatever it is whether it's fruit or grains or hops, and we get to make some really tasty stuff out of it. 
I, I know you, at certain times of the year, you guys might have certain releases that you, uh, that you, you, you run out of this one, you know, wait to the next vintage, but like you've got, uh, quite a few different wines that you make. I mean, like we're, we're, we're looking at a small sampling of this in comparison to the what 20 plus wines that you all make. Yeah. In total, we're producing 20 different wines at the moment. Uh, we wow. have, um, a rosé that we make every year. It's actually the rarest wine we produce. We make like 40 cases of rosé. Do you grow the fruit for the rosé or is it uh, Sonia? It's a Sonia. Sonia. Uh, but it's a Pinot Noir, Grenache, and Morved. It's the most. Sounds good. It's the most beautiful, pale colored, salmon, peachy, provincial looking rosé. Oh, and 40 God. cases? Yeah, it's That's super, super small. And do you, do you make it from a lot of the free runnings? Is that why it's That's such exactly a small production yeah. Yeah. volume? Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes, well, unfortunately not this vintage, but sometimes we um, even bottle it up in magnum format. You know, because two bottles... It's better than one. If you're going to drink, so quickly. if you're going to drink rosé, then you're going to fucking drink it. Yeah, if you're going to be a baller, <laughs> that's how you roll. Yeah, totally. Um, Seven hundred and fifty milliliters. Give me a break. No, I need fifteen hundred. Wine maybe. in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. So we make a rosé. Um, we make two chardonnays. We make two pinot noirs. We make seven cuvées. Seven blends. And then we produce eight vineyard designate Syrahs. Wow. And the vineyard designates are each only 50 cases, so they're very small. The cuvées, that's when we get we branch out into the large category of, oh gosh, I don't know, 200 cases, 250. So we're still micro in, in yeah, our that's, size. Yeah, that's pretty small production. Yeah, I mean, we make yeah. about 2,000 cases total when it's all said and done. Um, Quality over quantity, though. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Uh, but that, that's what we're looking at. Yeah, we make 20 different wines, but when you look at it in that breadth, then it doesn't seem quite so daunting. You're going to need some more family members to name all these things after, huh? Like, yeah. Well, so don't worry. Don't worry. Um, we have a lot of females in my family. Um, so <laughs> um, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of fun new uh, little, little nieces amazing, and nephews popping out. Uh, nieces and nephews to come. So, cool. Uh, our winery is our baby, so thankfully our family will have the others. I like it. Uh, hey, real quick, I, I want to pop back to the Chardonnays because a lot of people come to the distillery and they say, I'm looking for Chardonnay. That's mm -hmm. that's like that's the varietal I hear people are looking for more than any other, Yeah, hands down. So are, are they two totally different styles, or are we yeah. looking at like different? No. Okay. So both of our Chardonnays are produced identically. In style. Okay. And so we're looking at a difference in sourcing. Our Chardonnays do not go through malolactic fermentation, so they're not going to have that buttery component. Right. Um, but they might see a touch of oak, which could give you some creaminess. Sure. Um, they will also see some stainless steel, which will give you some um, more refreshing uh, citrusy qualities. Um, the properties that the fruit is coming from, are they're divided by about 10 miles. Uh, okay. The, it's it's Rosella's Vineyard and Sierra Mar Vineyard. And you wouldn't think 10 miles is a lot, but like in pastoral, it totally can be. Oh, right? it's massive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're not looking at a mileage difference uh, from east to west. We're looking at a mileage difference from north to south. Okay. So really? Up in Santa Lucia Highlands. Because east to west is what, what manufactures the biggest difference in temperature, it seems, I mean, most typically. This is true. Not in Monterey. 
But we don't grow the Chardonnay. It's as to Jacob. That's too said, hot here for it. We so. don't grow Chardonnay in Paso Robles. So this fruit is coming from a a, a vineyard. Uh, uh, excuse me, um, an AVA that's a couple hours north of Paso Robles. Okay. Um, it's about twenty miles inland, about twenty miles over the hills from Big Sur. Okay. So Monterey County is what we're looking at. Oh, we it's one of the best places to grow Chardonnay. In the world. You don't see a whole lot of tasting opportunities up in the Santa Lucia Highlands. That's not what they're known for. They're known for growing. They're not known for tasting. If you want to taste these wines, you go into Carmel, you go into Monterey, or quite honestly, for the best wines that are produced in that region, you don't taste. You just get on their allocation list. And and you order them, and then you taste them in your own home once you purchase these wines. Or you just buy them from Jacob Topps Winery. Sure fucking do. <laughs> Straight <laughs> That's from. a good way to go. So, when Jacob and I were first dating 10 years ago, he took me to this restaurant in Cambria called Black Cat Bistro. Love it. So good. Yummy. He ordered this bottle of Pinot Noir from a producer called Roar. R-O-A-R. Mm-hmm. He'd read a lot about Roar, but it never had the wines. You guys, it was so fucking good. At the middle of the dinner table, during our date, I was on my cell phone buying a case of Roar wines. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. It was spectacular. It was stunning. Um, it was a flip phone back then, by the way, guys. Flip phone. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. even think you even know what that is anymore. If right, to dial on. the letter R, I had to press again? the number seven <laughs> three times or whatever it Everybody was. Wants one. I'll take a flip phone any day. <laughs> um, we eventually made friends with the producers of the Roar Wines. We um, visited their winery, which at the time was in the middle of San Francisco. And we eventually were um, lucky enough to have a vineyard tour hosted by Gary Francioni. He drove us through Rosella's Vineyard, Sobrane's, Gary's, and Sierra Mar Vineyard. It was a two-hour tour in a pickup truck some, some, on some slopes that I wasn't sure we were going to make it down. But uh, we did, thank goodness. And at the end of the vineyard tour, we ended up in Gary's private cellar, popping bottles. It was 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Think we had tacos with him afterwards. Party time, excellent. <laughs> yeah, the best time. And at the end of of this Santa Lucia Highlands extravaganza, um, we sat down, and I was like, "So, Gary, what do I have to kill to buy your fruit?" <laughs> <laughs> it was He's his wife, right? Oh no, 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 Sorry. no, no! We'll we cut that. Rosella. We'll cut that from the story. No, no Rosella's the best. That's here. We buy tons of fruit from Rosella's. Damn it, George! He named the vineyard after his wife. How dare you? <laughs> oh, it's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> at the, at the end, he said, "Well, I didn't realize this was a business meeting, but kids, you got to get in line. We'll let you know when some fruit is available." And, sure. And uh, 2017 ended up being that first vintage that fruit was available, and uh, that is the vineyard. And he's shown any loyalty ever since. He has indeed, but that is the vineyard that my wine, that the Kelly's Pinot Noir, Kelly's Pinot comes Noir, off of, and that's what I'm sipping on right now. Oh yeah, yummy! And is, uh, the Kelly's Pinot Noir. <laughs> this is for a few, uh, once again 
Same varietal, 100% varietal, right? But different vineyards. 100% Pinot Noir. Okay. Um, same vineyard, but a couple of different clones. Um, we've got... That's so cool. We've got some of the Swan clone, and then, of course, we have some Pinot Noir coming from the legendary Pisoni family vineyard. And, and people really need to realize... Clone. ...that this is all about relationships. You know, like good people get good grapes, make good wine. Yeah, and then even w- within, like, the variation of two different clones of the same varietal, you see, like, so much variation there, or is it completely? Wow. That's something else. So Swan Clones, a small little uh, cluster, very short, um, kind of a loose cluster. You'd think if it was a little grenade like 174 in Syrah, you would think, oh, well, Swan's going to be tight, but it's not. It's very loose but small. It's like maybe four or five inches long. And it's very savory. Mm. And then we yeah. blend it with um, uh, Pisoni, which is a little bit of a bigger uh um, cluster, but um, a little more fruit than the Swan Clone. So that's kind of like what we like to do with all of our wines, all of our cuvées, all of our blends, half of the wines we make. We like to take fruity stuff and blend it with spicy, savory stuff, and that's our style. Right, then you get this this huge depth of character that's yeah, like yeah. one of a kind. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that was uh, one time... Uh, Zen guy, Frank Norelli. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Got a little Frank, Frank Norelli. And so, I we mean, we all do. Yeah, I know. He comes across like he's a curmudgeon to people on purpose. He's really just. His dessert he's wine the, is fucking. He, it's amazing. The he's means. the biggest teddy bear. He's a lovable guy. He's it's just Frank, weeding out the people that he shouldn't give a shit about. <laughs> Frank Norelli, th- th- this guy can make some damn good wine. And, and uh, uh, not a Tin City producer, but if you get a chance, go there. I remember one time uh, I, I was working Zin at a Alley. restaurant. Zen Alley. Yep. Working at a restaurant, and uh, there were, like, four different wines on this table. And after this big tasting thing, and, and he's just like, huh. And he starts grabbing them, and, and, and in his own mind, like, different percentages blends this thing together and made <laughs> fucking amazing wine. And I was just blown away. I was like, this is unreal. But it was it was just, you know. The depth that he got out of blending that together made each one of those so much better in the, yes. in the long run, I think. So, so next we're gonna we're gonna do something here that has very little to do with wine. Normally, when we play our fun little game, shots o'clock, we have a lot of brandy products. The one that we brought today, this is from Tin City Distillery. There's not a grape in this thing. This is wow. You guys actually did the mash and everything. Oh man, you like, beast. I, You're a beast. I, I, you just still whatever's locally abundant, right? And yeah. like that's not corn. It's yeah. definitely fruit. It's yeah. grapes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But but you know, like you gotta mix it up every now and then, man. Yeah. And so uh uh I brought a bottle of bourbon down today. And so we're So gonna, it has to be over fifty, fifty one percent corn. At least fifty one percent the rule, right? So at least fifty one percent or more corn. Okay, so we got now, some corn. We have some corn. However, most People don't rock 51. It's like in the 75 range. Oh, okay. Range. Yeah, yeah. So Somewhere lots in there. of corn. Lots of corn, though. This one is 79% corn and oh, it's 21% yeah. rye. That's, oh, that, that, that's the blend. So we, we have rye whiskey, too. But we're going to go ahead and play a fun little game called Shots O'Clock. Can't wait. Let's okay. Do this. And Can't so, wait. yeah, Shots O'Clock. Can't wait. Um, and if you've never heard of Shots O'Clock, this is the first podcast of Tinsley Podcasts you've listened to. Go back to the other ones, and we'll explain to you why we do it. Okay, so we're all going to go around the table, and we're going to say something that we are grateful for, and then we're going to take 
a little shot of this bourbon. You can go ahead and if you want to get wild, just jump in there. But I, I would uh, appreciate you just wait until we all go around the table and stay. Oh my god, this smells so good. I was supposed to say about your wow. wine. There you go. Okay, so uh, success. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and, of course, start with the lovely Kelly Toft. I I am grateful for where I live in Cayucas on the coast between Morro Bay and Cambria. It is the most sleepy, beautiful little coastal town where we have our gorgeous garden. We have peace and tranquility. I also am grateful for where my winery lives here in Paso Robles. My family moved into this area when I was 10 years old. And we, we came from the high desert where it was really warm. My mom and I, we're only happy when we're toasty in the sun. Yeah. We're lizards. We're solar-powered, right? <laughs> but we, my family moved up here in November of 1998, which was the last official El Nino. Yeah. It was raining cats and dogs when we moved here. And that whole year, my mom and I were like, Dad, where the fuck did you move us to? Yeah. It's so cold. It's so gloomy. Like, cheerily, like, what is it? Like, the, the seasonal affective disorder was in full force. Well, now we're all praying for having a year like 1998 where we had all of that rain. But I'm so grateful for living in this area. My friends are here. My family is here. What we, what we do, we have the best growers. We, we travel all over the place, all over the world. And you know you've had a really great vacation. And you know you live in the best place when you're ready to go home. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that's a I'm, damn I'm, good thing to be grateful for. Kelly. I'm grateful to live here. I'm grateful for my home. Well, hey, to that. Mr. Toft, how does it work? We all have to say something, or do we get a shot every time somebody says something? Fuck it, dude. Take a shot. I'm still trying to learn this whole situation. This was to Kelly. And I don't we'll, know. We'll, this we'll, stuff we'll, smells really oh, good. We'll pour so another one. I might need to have one. Uh, <laughs> for, for the record, these are small shots. Yes, very small. <laughs> we'll take a sip of a shot. Not quite a finger. Maybe a half finger. Mm. A half finger is all you need. You make some good shit, Patrick. I'll Thank you, you, my dear. I'll Likewise. Tell you, the uh, <laughs> Tin City uh, bourbon is out of sight. I'm pretty biased and partial. Yeah, for sure. As you should. <laughs> my, my man, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we're just trying to not, we're not trying to fuck it up, right? Yep. It's how it goes. Yep. All right, buddy, you're up. So for me, um, I mean, everybody knows this, but um, maybe not everybody. But for me, um, what I'm thankful for, for is the amazing women in my life. All my wines are, um, well, if it's a vineyard designate, it's a vineyard designate. But any cuvee is named after an amazing woman in my life. And um, I grew up with three sisters, an amazing grandma, and my mom is, uh, well, if you've ever met her, you know. She's Mary Jane. And... Um, that's the future. Anybody that doesn't believe that women are the future, uh, get out of the way. Your case in point right here at Jacob Toft Wines. Women are the future. I like it. Hey, cheers to that. Women are 
the future. The best. You know what? The world would be a better place if they'd been in charge <laughs> for a lot longer. Well, it's happening. I like. It's going to happen. And Amen. If you don't like it. Get out the way. All right. Ooh, that's tasty. <clears throat> it's, it's even better the second time, right? Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, Patrick Brooks, am thankful for the entity the fizzle. Das fizzle. Das fizzle in the house. The fizzle's in the house as we speak, and we just strapped him up with a microphone. What's Wait, up, buddy? Did somebody hand me a headset? Yeah. Oh, wow. This is amazing. <laughs> thank you. Wow. Somebody when somebody gives you the mic, you use it, man. Oh, that well, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, this has been amazing. You guys do an amazing podcast, so thank you. And when, when you come to Jacob Tops Wines, you're going to meet Kelly. You're going to meet Jake. You're going to be fizzled, too. It was so important that you be on this because uh, I was um, using the restroom, you know, b- between uh, these segments, and I was looking up on the wall at this movie poster of the Tin City documentary that they made. Uh, uh, D- Dean and Mandy made. It's, it's on, you know, uh, Amazon and... iTunes. Prime. I- iTunes. iTunes and, you know, uh, Tin City. It's great. You get to see all of us on there. It's really a fun time. And my eyes focused... Directly on Fizzle, <laughs> right on the movie poster. Matthew Fizzle Egan. Matthew Fizzle Egan, and so we could, we couldn't. That's block. not my real name. <laughs> the names have been changed to protect yes. the innocent. Yes, thank yes. you. Yeah. Yes, so, definitely. so we couldn't walk out of here without having He's you so on here too, bud. So, <laughs> without you, this place just isn't the same. So, you know what? You, my friend, get to you know do a shots clock. Well, I'm honored. Frankly, uh, you know, and I was only able to get on there because of the fact that uh, I met Jacob on accident. And, you know, I studied uh, TV and film a little bit. And when I came up to visit him during a bottling one time, I, I just looked at myself or thought to myself, I was like, wow, this is very like photogenic. Everything you see, every station, everything you look at, there's so many places where you can put a camera and you can see these amazing things and now today it's commonplace on on uh, instagram and everything you just log on to instagram you see it uh, videos all the time they're professionally done or very well done all across the board but at that time in 2005 that kind of thing um it was it was not heard of and so i just thought about it. i was like wow i just got to find a budget find a camera get out here and shoot some video and it just happened and i was lucky enough to know him and he was making uh, these amazing wines and uh coming up for bottling um and shooting video of the bottlings, it was uh, it was really neat. And so that is some of the footage that you'll see in the Intensity film. There you go, man. And you know what? Like, not only that, but I'm sure, you know, when you, when you come here, there's so much more than film to you. You are the experience. Well, you know, Fizzle you can experience. you can find my Instagram on the.fizzle.experience, and that's where you can find some additional footage. But, uh, <laughs> you know, without a plug aside... Um, you know, when you come here and taste with Jacob, you never know which person you're going to get. All of us are really great for different reasons. Um, but when you taste with me, I have my unique uh, way of uh, pouring wine and talking about the uh, hard work that we put in making those wines. So You are all unique in your own way. The good looks is a common thread for sure. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so is that what you're thankful for? No, I mean, me, I'm thankful. I, I'll be brief. I'm thankful for uh, good friends. Good family and health, and that's really ultimately what I'm thankful. You're gonna try this bourbon so, and see how it affects you your health. Yeah, <laughs> we love you, buddy. Cheers, we buddy. love you. Delicious. Now, but we're not done yet. 
the final member of this beautiful fivesome, George Numair, head brewer of the Barrel House Brewing Company, and all around a great replica of what a caveman would have looked like. Great insurance. Great insurance. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, what I'm most thankful for is my wife, Britta. Happy birthday, honey. I love you. You're the, the heart and soul of everything we do. Holy shit, are you recording this on her birthday? Oh my God, happy birthday, Britta. Happy birthday, She baby. already thinks I steal you away from her life more than anybody else. She, damn it, George. I was just hoping we could release this on April 7th, actually. It's not her birthday right now. Oh. Just like, <laughs> I just always I always forget about her birthday, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of it this year. But we're going to cut this specific <laughs> explanation out, hopefully. This is totally fine. And then, and then I'm going to put this <laughs> over her eardrums. Shall we sing happy birthday to Britta? Oh, my God. She was going to, because she's not going to listen to this until I say, this is what I did for your birthday. Yeah, we're, we are going to release this podcast that comes out on the first of every month on April 7th, probably. Well, let's release it on April 1st, <laughs> and I'll just put it on her earbuds on April 7th. Oh, there you go. Hey, it's a- Britta, if you're listening, on your earpods, AirPods, whatever, it's April 7th. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, baby. You're okay. the best. Yeah, totally. I you do it all best. for you. You're everything to me. I, I, the only, the only reason I get up every morning, is because you make me coffee. <laughs> I'm not really sure how to do this. Nobody coached me on this. No, I, I, I can help, Britta. You are literally doing the Lord's work, you saint, putting up with George's shit day in and day out, and that's a lot of shit to put up it's with. A lot of shit. Yeah. So if you don't know George Numer, I don't know if you need to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. To He's Britta Hagstrom. <laughs> I mean, Britta Newmare. Newmare. Why did I say your her, wife? Uh, Newmare. Yeah, we'll give yeah. her. We'll give right. her, yeah. Happy birthday, Britta. Britta. Guys, and Happy cheers, birthday, everyone. <laughs> Thank you to an, another show. Mmm. 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 Tasty. Once that bourbon touches your lips, I'll oh, so Tasty. Good. Oh. Tasty. Well, um, yeah, thanks for coming for everybody listening. Thank you for listening in to another show of the Tin City Podcast. Um, if people are interested in getting to know more about the Jacob Toft experience. Please come visit us. Um, you can find us. Our tasting room is open daily from 10 a.m. until 3.30 p.m. Um, we start our last tasting at 3.30 because if you get going into city early, you're going to be a shit show. So I don't want you at 4.30 p.m. No, let, let, let's all be responsible, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. So, uh, so that's the place to be. If they want to check you out on some kind of interwebs, jacobtoft.com, um, Jacob Toft Wines on uh, Instagram and Facebook. You SOB, you got jacobtoft.com. I can only get a patrickbrooks.net. I've never met another Jacob Toft. I've met it. <laughs> Some really small, young uh, gentlemen running around with the name Jacob. But when I grew up, there was no Jacobs. There was now, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Well, well, very now, famous now, name. is my now, name, too. Now Jacob is the number one name. <laughs> is it really? More than Michael. Do you see what you've started? You've started a trend. Well, it's not about, it's not about trend. It's about, um, you know, good times. Good times. Always at Jacob Topped Wines. So, we're so happy to be here with you guys. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. We love you. We love you. We love you. I love you. I love you all. And we love you, Patrick and George. <laughs> Good all right. to be here. Thank you, gentlemen. Another Thank you for having experience. us. Uh, so, until next time, 
Ladies and gentlemen out there, here's to those who wish you well. And those who don't can, can go to go hell. To hell. <laughs> Happy birthday, Britta. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right, cheers. We'll be back on the next one. Here's some uh, schnazzy tunes to play you out. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Got a lot of real music. Real music. Real music. Real music. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Britta. It's going to be your favorite one yet. Happy birthday. Because nobody forgot. The whole world knows now. <laughs> a month and a half at a time. <laughs> <laughs>